Good to see you today. Well, you know, we are just a little over two months away from Christmas. Yeah, don't, don't have a heart attack out there. But to every Christmas, uh, my family, we, we really try to make sure that Santa does his part and gives all four of our children equal amount of Christmas gifts. You know, because, because we don't want them you know, coming out there Christmas morning and seeing that one has more than the other. And every year, Santa fails us. Somehow, I don't know how he does it, he keeps getting different amounts. And there's this one child that, that every year, it seems like for several years now, has had one less gift under the tree. And, and what I want to tell them is, well, maybe some of your gifts that weren't so expensive, you'd have more. But I don't say that. I don't say that. I just write Santa a letter and say, Santa, why do you keep doing this every year? Right? But, but, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the, if you could somehow uh, count up the time spent and the value uh, and the price that Santa paid for all of these gifts, they'd all be equal, okay? but every now and then they don't work out that way with the amount. And so this child has had to learn how to get past the amount, the number, and see the quality, see the gift of Santa. But sometimes they can't get past that, can't get past that number. And the jealousy robs their joy. Today we're, we're looking at how jealousy can often lead us into making decisions that we would never make under ordinary circumstances, leading us into, into doing things that we would never do. Today we're going to see how we can defeat jealousy. Verse Samuel starting in 17, verse 55. This is following the story of David and Goliath. It says, as soon as Saul saw David go out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I do not know. And the king said, inquire whose son the boy is. And as soon as David returned from the striking down of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse the Bethlehemite. Chapter 18, verse 1. And as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Verse 6. And as they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. 
He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul. He raved within his house while David was playing the lyre as he did day by day. And Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall but David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David had success in all his undertakings for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success... He stood in fear for all of him, but all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. Father in heaven, as we continue to join together in worship today, we look at this passage of scripture as we see the continued mental decline of King Saul. At the same time, Lord, we see the, the rise of of the future King David. And Lord, while it was your will for, for David to, to be the, become the king, Lord, we know it wasn't your will for Saul to decline the way he did. Lord, help us look at his life today and see elements, seeds of jealousy that might crop up into our lives from time to time and how they can mean almost spiritual death for us. How they can have such an impact in our lives and help us turn to you, Lord, instead. Help us fix our eyes on Jesus when those times come. Father, I pray that my words are yours today, and I pray that you fill me with your spirit today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In order to defeat jealousy, we need to understand when it happens, how it happens. So today we're going to have a few points on that. Number one, jealousy creeps up when we start paying attention. Paying attention to what? Well, just paying attention to others. Jealousy creeps up when we start paying attention. Verse 55 tells us, as soon as Saul, Saul David, go out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander, whose son is this youth? Abner said, I don't know. Verse 56 the king inquired, said, inquire whose son the boy is in verse 57. And as soon as David returned from striking down, that's Goliath, the Philistine, Abner took him, brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. Pretty good trophy. And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And David said, I am the son of your servant, Jesse the Bethlehemite. Now, at first glance, it reads like Saul does not know who David is doesn't know who, who he was. But, but Saul does not ask him, who is he? Saul asks specifically, whose son is he? Whose son are you, David? And we know from previous passages that, that David had been employed from time to time uh, to play the liar in Saul's presence. And we also know from the passage before that Saul had promised that whoever would kill Goliath would have their family taken of taken care of, as well as be given one of Saul's daughters for marriage. And before David killed Goliath, Saul's interest 
in David's family. His interest in his father were minimal at best. But now since David would be marrying one of Saul's daughters, he is very interested in David's family and background. And you would too, right? You would too. I hope you would. (laughs) Now these few verses here don't explicitly say that Saul was starting to become jealous of David. But he's the king, right? What would he have to be jealous of? However, Saul's attention is now turned towards David's family. He's paying attention to to David's family. Here's a question for you. When you feel jealousy creeping up in you, to what are you paying attention? What are you paying attention to? You all remember the days, the good old days before social media? You didn't get a laughter out of that. I guess they weren't good old days. I guess we didn't like them after all. You know, I remember there used to be before, before uh, uh, social media, there used to be a lot of entertainment news on television. Remember you had like the E! Channel, and then you had Entertainment Tonight and all those kind of things. And it seemed to me uh, when I was younger that, that many people, some women that I knew, were, were kind of addicted to channels like E! and Entertainment Tonight and the celebrity news and all this kind of thing. I couldn't really figure out why. What's the fascination with all these celebrities? But there's some, type of, there's some type of comparison going on there. There's some type of maybe jealousy there. But, you know, with celebrities and viewing them how they are, the jealousy really can't get that bad because they're celebrities and we'll never really have anything to compare to. Most of us won't. But now we have social media. We log on to Facebook or Instagram or something like that, and we see other people's families, we see their children, we see their grandchildren, we see their houses, we see their cars, we see their jobs, we see all the places that they, they travel and go to that we don't get to go to. And if we're healthy, we can be happy for them, but at some point, if we pay too much attention, jealousy can start creeping in. Southern Baptist Theological Seminary President Al Mohler released an article this week about what he called the clear and present danger of the social media empires. There was a, a bipartisan Senate subcommittee that had far-right people and far-left uh, congressmen on there, and, and they came together and agreed and stated that Facebook and Instagram have hidden its own research on addiction and the toxic effects that it produces. Uh, the toxic effects of its products. By its own research, Facebook found how Instagram, which Facebook owns, how it negatively influenced teenage girls. According to Facebook's own research, in this article, the Wall Street Journal reported that 32% of teen girls said that when they felt bad about their bodies, Instagram made them feel worse. 32%. Another part of the data concluded comparisons on Instagram can change how young women view and describe themselves. And it said for the past three years, Facebook has been conducting studies into how its photo sharing app affects its millions of young users repeatedly. But they've set on this research and they haven't done anything about it. And the research found that Instagram specifically is harmful for a sizable percentage of them most notably teenage girls, although there were some boys that had issues with it as well, but not as many. And the Facebook data that was leaked stated this, 
This is what Facebook said themselves, quote, we make body image issues worse for one in three teenage girls. We're paying attention to the wrong kinds of things. Our teenagers, our youth are paying attention, and it's hurting ourselves, it's hurting our minds. What can we do about it? Well, we need to limit how much we pay attention, amen? We need to take a social media break. We need to put up some boundaries. I always know when my children have hit their limits on their phone. You know why? Because the den fills up with my whole family. I'm sitting around watching the game, and they've hit their little usage limits they have. I have, these, this, I have a device that shuts their stuff off, and I'm like, oh, it must be time. And next thing I know, all the children are in the room. Oh, they must have hit their, their limits on their phone, right? And then we have family time. It's like we're a family again. Okay. Give yourself limits. Read. Read the Bible. Spend some time outside. Take photos without thinking you have to share it to anybody. Just be for yourself, right? Put the phone down. Jealousy clearly shows us here in this study that it can lead to self-loathing. And that happens when we're paying attention to the wrong thing. So jealousy creeps up when we start paying attention. Secondly, jealousy creeps up when we start noticing popularity. We start realizing popularity. Look at verse 1 of chapter 18. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own Saul. Now, Jonathan is Saul's son. Now, we're not used to using language like this in the West between two men. But what it conveys is a brotherhood, a close brotherhood. When Jonathan met David, he, he had an instant brotherhood attraction. It's not unusual. Men usually prefer hanging out with other men they like, uh, with who they have common interests in. Both of you like to play golf, you're going to hang out together. If you like to watch sports, you're going to watch sports together. If you like to go hunting, you're going to go hunting together. That's, that's normal. This was the case with David and Jonathan. Verse 8, verse 2. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Now previously David was going back and forth between home and the palace, but serving the king when he had one of his episodes. But now he became a permanent resident at the king's palace. Verse 3, then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. What, what is a covenant? Well, the Bible is filled with covenants. Marriage is a covenant. It's more than an agreement. It's more than a contract. It's more than just a promise. It, it, it is a promise between two people or two parties to be loyal to the other until death. God had a covenant with Noah. God had a covenant with Abraham. He had a covenant with David. Jesus is the new covenant. Marriage is a covenant. Your two people are coming together to, to form a promise before God. It always has God involved, a covenant does. So Jonathan made a covenant with David that they would be loyal to each other until death, they would what we call sometimes blood brothers. Right? Loyal together, they were united together in brotherly love. It would be great having a friend like that. 
I've had friends like that before. They've moved away, lived their own places. But growing up, I had friends that were certainly like that. Verse 4. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Now, the thing about covenants is many times there's a sign, a symbol that ratifies the covenant. And, and, and the wedding ceremony is the exchanging of rings. That's the sign of the covenant. And here was the covenant for them was Jonathan giving David his robe, giving him his armor and his equipment. The symbolism of these gifts ratifies this covenant. Verse 5, And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. See, everyone liked David. You know people like that? <laughs> everyone liked David. And you probably would have liked him too. And it would have been very easy to be jealous of David, even if you were just the local Israelite, let alone the king. Imagine an Israelite uh, who had been serving Saul for years, maybe he was in the army, then all of a sudden this David pops on the scene. He's a commander over you now. Where did he come from? He had one lucky shot on a giant, and now he's over all these warriors. I can imagine there being a lot of jealousy of David present in the army, present in the kingdom. And when people become, for lack of a better word, popular, we, start, we can start to compare ourselves. And we lose when we compare ourselves to others. Because God wants us to compare ourselves to Jesus. That is what we strive for. And when we fall short, when we realize our limitations, we, we then trust Christ to help and work through us. Jealousy starts creeping in when we notice popularity, but we need, don't need to notice in other people. We need to look at who Jesus is and what he's given us and what he has told us and keep our eyes on him and his plan for our life. See, our life is not our neighbor's life. Our life's not our co-worker's life. Our life is our life. Amen? And Jesus has given us this. So jealousy starts creeping in, and we start paying attention, we start noticing popularity. And number three, jealousy creeps in, creeps up when we start realizing fame. Now, popularity and fame aren't necessarily the same thing. There are some famous people who are very unpopular. <laughs> but David had them both. Look at verse six. Now, as they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King David with tambourines, with songs of joy, with musical instruments. Imagine this scene. The women sang to one another as they celebrated it. And I don't know how the, how the song went, so I won't try to reenact it. But something like this. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him clearly. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? Might as well just go ahead and give him the kingdom. Well, spoiler alert, that was about to happen. He didn't know that. Now, the tide of public opinion and fame is a very fickle thing to begin with. 
and it can change in an instant. Right? It can change in an instant. Just, just ask a football coach the difference between four and one and three and two. It can change in an instant. Right? We know that. David killed one giant. One giant. Now, it was a giant, but it was one. And the women in the city are dancing in the streets, singing all about David. Now, it says the women came out, which I think is interesting, because women in particular were the most vulnerable when it came to war. Remember, they were at war with the Philistines. Had the Israelites lost, many of these women could have been murdered, raped, pillaged. Furthermore, their children could have been killed as well. So David was very much a savior to the women and the children. He really was. Bad things would have happened had they had total defeat to the Israelites. So they're out singing his praises because he literally did save Israel. He is a, 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 a Jesus figure in this story. But now the crowd is claiming he killed tens of thousands. Right? A little bit of an exaggeration. They outright compare David to King Saul. They actually compare him. And they elevate his reputation above Saul's. Now, if you're David, that's a very awkward place to be. I would not want to be there. We don't know how David felt about it. But Saul didn't like it. And look what verse 9 says. And Saul eyed David from that day on. Now, if you look up eyed, this word eyed in the Hebrew, it means to watch with jealousy. To watch with jealousy when he's eyeing someone. And that was Saul's fatal mistake. And we see that his jealousy opened himself up back to Satan. Look at verse 10. The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul. And he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre as he did day by day. And Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. You may remember, before David killed Goliath, he was brought in to calm Saul's nerves. He was going crazy with his spirit. He was a madman. All his servants said, listen, we don't need a king who's crazy like this. Let's find someone who can calm him down with music. Back, you know, and I mentioned how back in the day you couldn't just put in your earphones or listen to something. You had to have live music to, to listen to it at any point, as we, as we forget many times. And so there is David playing the lyre. And I can imagine Saul thinking, here's this musician, this warrior, this popular. He can do it all, do everything. And he says, I could just take this spear and I could just throw it and nobody would know. And twice he tried it, and twice David escaped, because of course he did, because he's David. <laughs> Still couldn't beat David. You ever experienced someone go raving mad? Maybe you have. Many times we'll say, well, they're just crazy. Or we'll say they're, they're psycho or something like that. But you know, maybe more than that. Maybe demonic. Christ followers don't act like this. Sure, they may have an off day every now and then, and we all do. But repeated, 
cyclical episodes. It's not of the Holy Spirit. It's of Satan. And we see the source of Saul's fear. Look at verse 12. Saul was afraid of, of David because the Lord was with him but had departed from Saul. So Saul then re removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David had success in all his undertakings for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. And we see an interesting demented and inconsistent range of emotions in a short period of time for Saul. And we know it was demonic because the Bible tells us. Chapter 16, Saul loved him, but now in this section, Saul sees David's popularity growing. He goes from love to anger, then he has fear, and then he stands in awe. He loves him, he hates him, he's fearful, and then he is in fearful awe. He realizes that God is with David, and that was the most scary thing for Saul. The realization that God was with another person. So at this point, Saul starts the plot to murder David. Now, jealousy doesn't lead to murder all the time, as we know, but it can lead to other things. It can lead to gossip and slander, libel. You see it all the time on social media. Someone gets upset with someone. What do they do? They post it on social media. They murder the person's reputation just so they can get some type of validation back from the tribe. This type of behavior is not the behavior of the spirit. It's the behavior of the devil. Don't go down this path. Replace the jealousy, replace the anger you have for another into love and appreciation for what Jesus has done in your life. Verse 16, but all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. See, David was a man of the people. He stopped to say, hey, he asked how people were doing. He shook hands. He hung out with the people. He came in and out of their presence. He was around the people. It wasn't an act. It was real, and the people knew it. That's who David was. Look at the distinction. Saul went mad with jealousy and stayed cooped up in his palace. David was with the people. He served them. He loved them. Why? Because he had the Spirit of God in him. Jealousy creeps up when we start seeing fame in others, so quit looking. Do what David did. Love God. Love God's people. Jesus said that's the greatest commandment. Love God with all your soul, strength, and might. Love others as yourself. That's what David did. And that was what brought Saul to his knees. Not for the real, right reason, but for the wrong reason. Love God, love people. That's how you defeat jealousy. There's a fable of an eagle which could fly, outfly another eagle. The other, the other eagle was jealous. Now, this eagle could talk. This is why it's a fable. The latter eagle saw a hunter 
one day and said, I wish you would bring down that eagle that flies better than me. And the hunter replied that he would if he only had some feathers to put in his arrow. He could bring down the other eagle. So the eagle pulled out one from his wing and put in the hunter's arrow. And the hunter shot it but didn't quite reach it. It's flying too high. So the eagle pulled out another, another feather, pulled out another feather, kept pulling them out until he had lost so many feathers he couldn't fly. And the hunter turned around and said, well, there's the eagle right here, and shot him and killed him. Jealousy, many times, the only person we hurt is ourselves. Jesus says, my yoke and my burden are light. Follow me. Keep your eyes on me. Heavenly Father, as we close our time together today, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for how you have chosen to record your history of God's people and your work in God, with God's people. And we see stories like Saul and David and we see contrasts and comparisons. Help us, Lord, see our own lives. Where we have jealousy possibly creeping up that we'll realize that we are to keep our eyes on you and the life you've given us so we don't go down the path that Saul did, where he got worse and worse and worse. Father, we thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God guides us, compels us, it constrains us, it keeps us from sinning in ways that Saul did. We thank you for that, Father. We thank you for the power of you living in us. Lord, if there's one in here today that's never placed their faith in Jesus Christ, they never believed the gospel, that you sent your son to live a perfect life, to live the life that we couldn't live, who, who through his death and his burial and his resurrection on the cross purchased salvation to all who would receive it, they, today that they would receive that gift that you've given them. Lord, if there are those of us in here who are struggling right now with this type of situation, with a jealousy, that we would, we would repent of that, Lord, and give it to you. Lord, and that we would keep our eyes on you. Father, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name.